Welcome to Equipus Church Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this tag preaching from some of our up-and-coming communicators. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. This is the amazing Emataki. All the way from Invercargill. Here we go. Awesome, Emma. weird being on stage. Oh, you can sit down. I thought you would have done that by now, but. So I should start by introducing myself. As you heard, my name is, in fact, Emma. I am a student. I grew up in Invercargill. Woo! People say not to advertise that too much. Someone told me at lunch today that Invercargill is the Hamilton of the South. But I think it's... (laughs) I think it's good to have perspective, so... I say it could be worse, at least I'm not from Gore. <laughs> this, this is my third year in Dunedin and here at Equippers, so if you haven't met me yet, then hello, I'm glad I've succeeded at hiding in the corner. But all good things must come to an end. But <laughs> I thought today I would talk a little bit about wisdom, not necessarily because I think I have a whole lot of it, but because I thought it would be fun. Too early to tell if I was right or not, though. But to get us all on the same page, let's start with a definition. So the NIVBible.com not only has a very creative website domain, but also a good definition. It says that wisdom is a capacity of the mind that allows us to understand life from God's perspective. It's pretty much the next 10 minutes in a nutshell, so let's get cracking. <laughs> I wrote that before I realized it was a pun, so I had to keep it in because I like puns. So uh, I have three points, so I stay on track, you stay awake. So point number one, wisdom is a gift from God. Wisdom is not from us, it is given to us from God. He is the source and the storehouse of all wisdom. However, in order to receive this wisdom, we must be intentional in seeking it. So King Solomon had some wise words in Proverbs 2, not just Proverbs 2, but that's what we're looking at. In verse 4, he wrote that we must look for wisdom as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. I feel cool. It's behind me. Woo. In verse 6, he says, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So let's unpack those. The concept of wisdom being like hidden treasure is something that's woven throughout the Bible. We see it also in the book of Job, contrary to what I believed for a long time. It's pronounced Job, not Job. Um, So chapter 28 of Job, I wrote an E on the end, so I pronounce it right. It's basically a poem answering the question of where wisdom can be found. While it's the greatest treasure, it isn't found with the precious stones in the depths of the earth. And I'm sorry, but despite the name, Google Maps doesn't have the map for this treasure hunt. Rather, the poem concludes in verse 28 by saying, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. This repeats what Solomon was saying, that wisdom is found in God. We will find the treasure by being intentional and seeking it. And I know that wisdom can sound like some faraway thing that people only get in their 70s, but God makes wisdom accessible to all. Spending time in God's word, seeking his view, looking at how Jesus lived his life, these are all some of the ways in which we will begin to gain wisdom. When you seek God, you will find him, and when you seek wisdom, you will find it. So I chose these verses from Proverbs for a few reasons. Well, I mean, they were the first ones that came to mind. But also, despite making some unwise choices, I think that Solomon knows a thing or two about what he's talking about. 
to give you some more context, verse 6 comes right after verse 5. Um, it's good to know that I can count at least to 6, where Solomon is reminding the reader to prioritize fearing the Lord, basically what Job was saying too. He shows us that wisdom is rooted in trust. We can't be wise if we don't trust God. With God as our shield, our guard, our protector, as described in verses 7 and 8, we can be confident that no matter what we may face in life, God will get us through it. Reminds me of a little rhyme I like to tell myself. If God gets us to it, he'll get us through it. God doesn't just lay impossible circumstances before us and then grab some popcorn and watch from the corner. Um, where he calls, he equips, so you can be confident knowing that you are made for such a time as this. Point number two. <laughs> True wisdom can only come when we have understanding. So, knowledge is inherently good. It's required to grow faith. But it's the way that we use it that leads to wisdom. Ephesians 1.17, yeah, 17, I spiced it up and used the NLT translation. It's Paul asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in our knowledge of God. Here we see that spiritual wisdom is rooted in our knowledge, knowledge of God. We can't be knowledgeable without wisdom, but we can't be wise without knowledge. However, as we're gaining knowledge, it can be very easy to fall into a routine of committing things to memory. It can be easy to read something and not consider the context, the meaning, or the intention behind the words. And when we do this, we gain knowledge, but we don't gain wisdom. This is because wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come as a package deal. So with knowledge and no understanding, you can never be wise. However, when we get out the spade and we dig a little deeper, we pave the way for understanding to enter. And it is then that wisdom has space to follow. Understanding the context, the meaning, and the intention brings so much more value to the knowledge we had. Suddenly our faith grows, it builds dimension, and it takes deeper roots. And then, even in the midst of the harshest storms, we will not sink. We will be strong, confident, and steadfast. Knowledge is power, and the way that we wield it can be the difference between flourishing and destructing, selfishness and love. Therefore, the most important thing that one can do with knowledge is steward it not only to gain understanding, but also to use it in a loving way. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. <sighs> Paul shows us that we can use our knowledge to puff ourselves up and make ourselves feel good, but it is love that builds others up, and it is love that builds the church. Our knowledge can only be used to benefit others when it is applied with love. Because as Paul said, when we have knowledge but no love, we have nothing. I know you like practical application, so I made a three-step formula for applying knowledge. Don't know why I called it a formula. Sounds like a nerd. My year 10 English teacher told my parents I was a nerd, but it's fine because I had friends. So <laughs> Anyway, point number, well, step one. Take information in slowly, gaining understanding alongside the knowledge. Number two, sift through the knowledge you've gained using God's word and comparing it to Jesus' life to know what is true and what is helpful and what isn't. Number three, wisely apply your knowledge in a way that is kind, open to rebuke, and builds others up. Bob's your uncle. He's not mine, though. <laughs> knowledge applied wisely is love. It should reflect loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves. God is wisdom. God is love. Therefore, without wisdom, you can't truly love. 
Some of you may be wondering why is this weird girl from Invercargill telling bad jokes and harping on about wisdom? I think my jokes are not too bad, but apart from that, it's a good question and it brings me to my third and final point. Point three, when you gain wisdom, you gain life. So in the book of James, we see that there is worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. It can be easy to pursue wisdom in worldly sources because trusting the tangible is much simpler than having faith in the unseen. However, this won't get you very far because godly wisdom is where it's at. Godly wisdom is described in verse 17 of James chapter 3 as first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. As Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 18, when we gain this kind of wisdom, the eyes of our heart are enlightened in order, we, in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the glorious, what did I say? Yes, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So in other words, wisdom paves the way for life to enter. When we gain wisdom, we see God in all his glory. We begin to see our situations in a similar way to him. And we can trust that while we may not see how today's dots connect, they will in the future. Living wisely is simply living life the way God designed it to be lived. And when we do so, blessings can't help but follow. Wisdom is knowing that every road forward isn't going to and doesn't need to lead to the next step or the next thing but to God. It's not always going to be a direct route. Sometimes you go on a bit of a detour or have a few pit stops, but that's okay. Because as you know, it's not the destination but the journey. Would Dora be an explorer if she didn't explore? No, she would have just been Dora, and I wouldn't have watched her when I was five. <laughs> so this path will look a little bit more like a zigzag, but it will be a whole lot more beneficial and lead to a whole lot more growth than the straight path that you were hoping for. And while you may not view it as being wildly successful, maybe you just need to change your definition of success. Every plan has a purpose, every season has a reason, and every test can become a testimony. So lean into that uncertainty and use it to grow in your faith. However, it's important to note that even when you live wisely, things aren't going to be perfect. Sometimes they don't turn out the way you thought they would, the way you wanted them to, or the way that you intended them to. But wisdom is knowing that you're still exactly where God wants you to be. You're still right in the middle of God's plan. Know that each path will lead you closer to God, and wisdom is always there to guide you back to him. So, it's about time for me to wrap this all up. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Following the advice of WikiHow, a wealth of worldly wisdom, I thought I would end with some parting pieces of advice. So, meet God with open hands and an open heart, listening to the whisper that wisdom is. Be patient, trust, and watch as good plans unfold before you. But, above all else, stay classy. So next we have someone that you would normally find behind the sound desk, but today they get the pleasure of being up here. So put your hands together, don't take them apart, for Ashwin. Hi. Hopefully the fans don't kick up too much. This thing sucks. So annoying. Especially in the middle of, a le of like a lecture, and then everyone's like listening to your fans go. Anyway, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Ashwin. Um, I'm a first year at university. 
doing a combined Bachelor of Arts in Science, majoring in Music and Computer Science. Um, I'd like you to meet my amazing, beautiful wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know how the, pa the pastor always gets up, they always have to point out their significant other. I'm, <laughs> I'm not married. Um, I'm normally on that side of the production desk, so this side of the production desk is a bit weird, but thank you, thank you. I'll have hopefully more. Um, right, my message today is labeled 50, 40, okay. Um, labeled a faith like a tree. Um, so we recently got our tree down. It was a giant pine in our backyard that was much older than I am and definitely taller. Um, and our neighbor was very, stop moving. Our neighbor was very happy because it was blocking a lot of her sunlight. Um, and when we got the tree down, she also asked me to go and move some wood off her property, which had been there for ages and was rotting and bad. And then once I'd done that, she asked me to move on to like a pile of sticks. Like just, it's just a giant pile of sticks. Really annoying. Um, I'm just breaking them down, sticking them in a bin at the moment. I think I'm three bin loads in and like a fifth of the way through the pile. So um, it doesn't help that I keep getting sidetracked ripping out ivy, um, which covers both of our lawns and all of the trees on both of those. Um, and while the roots are only about two to 10 centimeters th uh, long, which as Outlook hopefully puts in, is about the length of the long edge of a credit card, in case you didn't know how long it was. Um, so they're only about two to 10 centimeters deep. And while it does grow on trees, it doesn't like take anything from the tree. It's not a parasite, unlike mistletoe, which steals the resources of the tree. Um, however, I found that just because the roots are really shallow, um, it's like really good at holding on. And I try and rip it out, and it just takes ages. Um, and it's able to resist some like some serious pulls. Um, but in the end, it always ends up coming out because. The will of a human is stronger than that of a plant. <laughs> um, at the time, I knew I was preaching, and I had made sure every night to set a time to try and hear from the Lord, see a script. I was asking for a scripture, um, and I did get a couple of scriptures. Uh, they didn't exist. Uh, one of them, I think, was 2 Corinthians 19. 2 Corinthians stops at 13. <laughs> so <laughs> I took that as a sign I was trying too hard. Um, <laughs> Anyway, as I was ripping out ivy, I, was, I had a thought that often we're like ivy. Um, rather than growing as a tree in our own faith, we, we just grow off somebody else's faith. And ivy uses tree, trees as structure. It doesn't, so like I said, it doesn't take anything from the trees, um, but it does grow on the trees so that it doesn't have to grow its own stalk and it doesn't have to have very deep roots. Um, so often I feel our roots don't go too deep. We just turn up on a Sunday, we build ourselves up a bit on somebody else's faith, and then we go back to our weeks and we move back on with our life. Um, this isn't a terrible thing. As it says in Luke 17, verse 6 in the NIV, he replied, he being Jesus, uh, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Um, even with ivy's roots of only a couple of centimeters, that's a lot larger than a mustard seed, just saying. Um, we got them at church once at the end of like a sermon. I think I'd lost it before I got to the desk at the back. <laughs> so it, while it does work to be an ivy, it's not quite as effective, and you're not able to flourish quite as much as you're not able to step as much into what God's called you into. Faith has often been paralleled with trees. 
right at the start of Psalms, like right Psalms 1-1, one, one, verses 1 to 3. Um, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mocks, probably supposed to be mockers, uh, but those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his, day, in his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. It's picked up again in Psalms 92 verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. While being ivy is sufficient and it doesn't rip out first go, it does have some faith. Uh, the tree is a lot stronger. I know I can't pull out a tree myself. I can pull out ivy. Um, so if something bad happens, maybe you lose a job. That's a pretty solid tug on the ivy, but it will halt. Maybe if something worse happens, a relationship breaks up or somebody near you doesn't want to talk to you anymore. Um, that's another solid yank, um, but it might not still break. But it's not quite as sustainable. Quite a few of those pulls and it'll rip off the tree and then you're left with nothing. Trees, on the other hand, have quite deep roots and are able to weather the strongest of storms and still stand firm. Growing in your own faith and finding who God is to you is a very important step in building a strong faith and relationship with God. It's hard to know if somebody's, it's hard to know somebody if they're your friend's friend and you don't actually spend time with them and you just know of them. Um, you need to actually spend time with them yourself. Um, and so in the same way, we need to not just know God as our friend's friend, just somebody else that is a relation to us. But we need to actually spend time with them ourselves. Um, however, just because you're growing in your own faith doesn't mean that you have to grow in your own faith on your own. Um, I did some research on trees. I found some facts, if you'd like to hear them. <laughs> Too bad. Um, trees are the longest living organism on Earth and actually don't die of old age. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly. Um, around 58% of all tree species are native to their countries and are only found in their country of origin. And Brazil has over 8,000 of the 60,000 known species, probably because they have like the Amazon and stuff. Um, most of the roots of a tree are within the top half meter of soil, which is about half the size of a baseball bat, in words, helpful prediction. Uh, but it can, they can reach 100 meters in depth and more. Um, something like an oak tree can absorb around 100 gallons, which is half the volume of a large refrigerator, uh, of water a day. And something like a giant sequoia can actually suck up around 500 gallons of water a day. Finally, shears, uh, shears can trees. Whew. Trees can share nutrients and resources through a mycorrhizal network, uh, which is where a fungus connects to a tree via their roots and other trees around them. Not only does this mean that if one tree is having a bad time collecting water, the others can send help and possibly prevent death, so they work together, um, but larger, older trees, known as mother trees, have been proven to increase survivability of younger trees by four times when connected. They are also able to warn each other of droughts and predators, but don't know how that helps when they're like, oh, a human's coming to chop Tim down. It's, oh, darn it. They can't really like get up and move like the mulberry, unless you've got a lot of faith, and then I guess you could <laughs> tell it to move. Um, so to grow your own faith doesn't mean to stand alone. It means to connect with others, share in their faith, learn from those who have been there before, and generally just get the best out of life. If you're having a bad time, let someone know, and they can support you with their faith and resources. Get connected in a church. Spend time with those around you and do this faith thing together. Yeah.
I stayed on time. Um, I'd like to invite Leah up now. Thank you, thank you. How good was that? So good. Um, they're pretty crack up, eh? I just want to warn you guys now that I'm not as crack up as they are. Um, my, my, not in mind. Okay. Um, so tonight I was thinking about what to talk about over the week of Shout. Um, and I don't know if you guys know who I am. If you don't, kia ora, my name is Leah. Um, I am from Wellington. I grew up in a little place called Nainai. This morning, Will talked about uh, going to our rancho and uh, getting saved there. That's also where I got saved. It's also where my dad got saved. And uh, we live to tell the story, eh? Um, so here at Equipper Church, I, along with an amazing team, get to work out the journey of walk out the journey of faith with our teenagers at Equipage Church. Um, and can I just say it's such an honor and a privilege to watch our young people grow. Uh, we just went up to Shout, and Shout was an awesome time to come together and to stand in faith and to encounter the love of Christ in a new way. Uh, but also to watch our young people encounter Christ is such an inspiring thing. I, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of my information off TikTok. It's not the most reliable source, um, but there was one saying that a guy wrote a book. Can I remember what it was called? No, but it was directed towards the church, and they said any church that invests into their young people will see uh, longer-lasting Christians as they grow up in faith. And so can I just say thank you for your generosity for getting our young people there. Thank you for your generosity um, to give your time, to give your resources to our young people so that they, that they can have encounters with God and they can grow uh, in their faith and experience the love. Um, yes, so thank you. Um, throughout the week, I was just watching as our young people were encountering the Father's love again. And I have just been in awe, in, in awe of how this encounter has mobilized our young people to do life with Jesus and to carry the gospel into their worlds. One of our kids one night just turned around and was like, Leah, I've just invited my whole friend group to church. And I was like, oh, that, what a message that must have been. She was like, yeah, I, I felt like the Lord was telling me to do it. And I was like, geez, if I was that friend getting the message saying, I feel like the Lord's told me that you need to come to church, I would be freaking out. But um, she was like, no, I feel like God's been telling me this for a long time. And so I've just done it. And I was like, that is crazy. Imagine if we all did that. <laughs> Imagine if we all just messaged our friend and was like, the Lord's saying you need to come to church. <laughs> I would run the other way. Anyway, um, yeah. And so I was reminded that no matter the season that I'm in, I carry access to the one who gives life. Um, I carry access to the one who uh, has shown unconditional love. I, am, I carry access to the one who gave access to heaven for us. And that's Jesus, if you didn't know who I was talking about. Um, wherever I go, no matter my health, no matter my ability to speak, no matter what I do, I carry Christ with me. And through Christ, we have been given access to heaven. And so anyway, bringing me back to what I thought I would talk about tonight, we've been doing this series called, Car is it called Carrie? 
Yeah, yeah, well, let's call it, call it carry. We're doing a series called Carry, and I thought, what do I carry? And that's Christ. Um, so you may be thinking, what are you even saying right now? Just stick with me, just stick with me so far. Um, so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, um, it says this, the message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret, Christ lives in you. And this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. How awesome is that? Christ lives within us and that gives us assurance. That gives us a certainty that we will not come up short. It gives us a certainty that we will not be left alone. It gives us the certainty that when we reach out, we're, like, we're not going to be disappointed. Why? Because Christ lives within us. We see it again in Galatians 2 verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting this in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I carry access to Christ, the one who died and rose again, making us righteous in the eyes of the Lord to enter into heaven. I carry access to the giver of life. I carry access to the giver of wisdom. I carry access to the one who strengthens my faith. I carry the access. I carry access to freedom. I carry access to the one who brings healing. I carry access to the one who restores and reconciles and who loves unconditionally, who breaks bondage, who comforts. I carry Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter whether I use my words or whether I use my actions, whether I'm sick or in pain, the one who gives access to life lives within me. And so while I was at Shout and I knew that I would be speaking, I was thinking, uh, that I was, I was praying and I was like, God, what, do I, what am I even going to say? Like it's at the back of my mind. It was probably the last thing on my mind while I was looking after a bunch of teenagers. But what do I say? And I got this picture of a gate that kind of opened up and led to a bridge. And I felt Christ say, oh, I felt God say to me, Leah, you're that gate. You're the one that has the access for people. Are you going to open up and let them come to the bridge? Are you going to open up and let them come to the one who brings them to the Father? Are you going to open up, uh, open up the gate and give them access to the one who, who brings life, the one who restores, the one who, who strengthens their faith and gives them hope? Are we going to open up? That's our, that's our question today. Are we going to open up? This is what we carry. And so, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I just want to give you guys a story. So when I was in high school, I, like I said, I grew up in a place called Nana. It's my little hood. Um, it's beautiful, uh, but it was a rough, a rough place. A lot of the kids that came to my school came because they got kicked out of other schools. Um, <laughs> and some kids would only come to school to get away from home. So it was a bit of a rough place. Um, but one year, a girl called Tussie, and oh, she now youth pastors at the Ngauranga Equippers. Um, so a girl called Tussie and I and another friend called Agnes, we decided in year 12 that we would stand outside our school gate and pray. We never knew how many people would turn up, but we just decided that we would do it and we'd see where it would go because we knew that we had access to the power of Christ. 
we knew we had access to the giver of life. We knew we had access to the giver of wisdom, the giver of faith. And imagine what would happen if we gave our school access to that. And so at our first by the gate, we, yeah, we just prayed and prayed. And throughout the year, um, the group got bigger and bigger and the power of the resurrected king was showing up in our school. I saw parts of my family come to Christ and to youth and get baptized that I never thought would. <laughs> I saw teachers turn to Christ and they were having conversations with my mum who was working in the school. I saw, I saw a community's response to the mass shooting in Christchurch look like this. Do we have that photo? This is what it looked like. We would normally have about 20 kids stand outside the gate. Here, there's over 100 people standing outside that gate, and none of them, like this person here, these guys, they didn't even come to our school. I don't even know who those people are. <laughs> but this is what happens when we give our communities the access to Christ, when we open up and say, this is the person we believe in. We see people come uh, and, and find hope. We see people come and find freedom and healing and restoration and reconciliation. We see families come back together. We see a community that is broken come back. This is what we carry. I saw Christ alive. I saw freedom. I saw bondage break. I saw life, saw life through the power of the Spirit. And we saw the kingdom of heaven being accessed. This is what we have the access to, church. This is who we are. This is the power that Christ has given us. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Will to come back up <laughs> and the team. And just as we, whatever, wherever this goes, this is the power that we have access to. Are we going to choose to stand in that and be mobilized by love to go out and be open up the gate? What are we going to choose? Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.